Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. When you listen to other podcasts, particularly uh, Mark Maron, you discover that there's a sort of 10, 15, 20 minute rant at the beginning that's an introduction. And we don't do that here because the quality is supposed to be in the conversation and we want to make the quality count. I'm not sure if Connor Cody knew exactly how to react when I warned him that he was probably... Scotland's most popular Englishman right at the moment. In fact, is he the most popular Englishman knocking around in English football? Or does he have to duke it out with Marcus Rashford for that title? Why is he popular? Well, I'd like to think that we explore some of the reasons and that he gives ample evidence here in this fantastic two-part interview with the St. Helens brought up Liverpool-born Wolves centre-half who does what I like to think has been... One of my calling cards during my career, he's completely unashamed to wear his heart on his sleeve as far as how much he feels privileged and happy and lucky to be involved with football. I think that shines out. The fact that he began to be involved in Liverpool, somewhere he'll explain, that taught him hugely as a man or a young man, not just as a a player. Well, that's a story in itself. Liverpool were really shrewd about how they gave him a European football baptism, aged about seven. And I caught you out there, Connor, didn't I? But that paves a gateway to his absolute joy at talking about leading out um, Liverpool at 
the football park at St Helens where they played their next-gen football against teams like Dortmund and Molde and Inter Milan. Imagine the pleasure about being in your hometown where Liverpool's youth team is displaced to play European football against great club names. Hearing him talk about the run um, through uh, Portugal, Torino, Istanbul and eventually Lisbon against Sevilla in Wolves' recent and laudable European run where they were only eliminated by the eventual winners. That's a treat, an absolute treat. This guy exudes articulacy, enthusiasm, and you can see why he's a natural-born leader. Part one of this big interview is with Connor Cody, and he's special and popular. Ever since I was a little boy in Aberdeen and in the 60s and 70s began to watch, my dad would take me to watch European football, whether it was a friendly or not, something lit the torch in me when Fortuna Dusseldorf or Eintracht Frankfurt came to play at Petodri, it meant more to me and I've talked to hundreds of elite footballers and coaches like you say, the league is everything, the league is everything, but I think that I think there are elements in your life and your career that suggest that you share something of that that thrill, that special goosebumps when it's European football. And I wonder if it started, I wonder if it started, doing a training session as an eight-year-old at Anfield at halftime or just before the match on a European night. CB Highway, when I was a youngster, he had a hairstyle a little bit like yours. And back in the 70s, it was called a suede head. And, and Stevie Highway, who, who floated on the grass, Connor, you, you never saw him in his, but he just floated across the grass. And I thought, Rolls-Royce footballer, that'll do for me. And I followed his development. Of course, he was the one who developed many, many players, but also Steven Gerrard. And so I watched his work, and, and I didn't obviously didn't know at the time, but I, I think you were an Everton cadet and, and Liverpool said, I wonder how we can get this guy who can pass the ball to come and join. So take us back, make the goosebumps go up on our neck. Take us back to the day when somebody says to you, listen, Connor, if you fancy it, you're going to come out at Anfield on a European night and we're going to have a training session in front of the, the public. You know what? I can, I can remember it very vaguely. You shocked me by putting that on my toes, I'll be fair. You shocked me. No, when, when I was a kid, I was at both... Everton and Liverpool really and you can be at both before the age of 8, 9 whatever it is now and it was something where I was training at Everton and it was fantastic do you know what I mean it was great it was a fantastic football club but I was always a Liverpool fan and I was always brought up a Liverpool fan through my dad when I was a kid and when I was a baby and things like that and then Liverpool come and asked me to go down which was great and when you go back to that that night what you're talking about in European football listen for me, European football is huge, huge. Now, it's massive. But I go back to that night and I remember, obviously, like I said, I was a, I was a Liverpool fan. I, I, I idolised Liverpool. It was something I idolised. It was, it was everything to a young lad, I think. I can speak on behalf of quite a lot of young people in the country now, in the past, probably yourself, where you think to yourself, you get a chance to go and play on Anfield or whether it was Aberdeen's ground for yourself. For me, it was Anfield and I got the chance to do that. And I think it was half-time. I'll be honest with you, I think it was half-time. And we was in front of the cop. So we were there in front of the cop and you come out and everyone gives you a bit of a clap and I'll be honest with you, the crowd at the time probably didn't give two monkeys about what was happening at half time. So you like, just want your brew, don't you? And you want to have a little bit of a chill before the second half starts. But for us as kids, it was 
it, it was goosebumps. It was incredible to come out the tunnel and and have a little bit of a session on on Anfield at half time. It was absolutely amazing. And it's quite vague to be honest. I can't remember too much about it, but all I can remember is the feeling of actually going out and doing that under the lights. Do you even remember when it was? Because because in those days. You must have been. There were two really massive runs. There was the Gerard Ullier year where they end up going to the UEFA final and beat Alaves, and then, you know, four or five years later, there's the the run that takes Liverpool to beat Milan in Istanbul. I think it was more the Gerard Ullier era because I think that was when I was really younger at Liverpool. If I'm being honest with you, because I can remember massively the the run to Istanbul and the run to Turkey to to the final. That was, I said, it was incredible. And I think growing up and obviously following Liverpool and supporting Liverpool and how big they were in Europe and going back to that run they were massive underdogs in Istanbul and I can really remember that run whereas with this because I was so young it's still a little bit vague I still remember like I said more or less the feelings that I got coming out on that night and knowing that not knowing just enjoying it because I was a kid you don't have worries do you? you don't think about anything else other than playing football and that's all I'd done and I was getting this feeling of coming out at Anfield and you're surrounded by 45,000 people. And for me, being a Liverpool fan, it was absolutely incredible, the feeling that you got, the goosebumps. You was nervous going out, even though you was going out, having a knockabout with your mates on, on Anfield. It was an incredible feeling. And it was something that, like I said, there's, there's not too much about the actual session that I can remember. It was more the feeling of actually coming out. But you shocked me by putting that on my toes, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think it's remarkable, and it's a testament to your character, that... That you know, I'm not sure if you even remember the opposition because um, that season they played Dinamo Kiev and Boavista mm. and Borussia Dortmund. Eventually, um, they played I think what Barcelona too. But you treated it as like a, it's a brilliant praise corner and knock about with my mates when you know <laughs> a lot of kids would have been going. This is already my European Cup final, and I'd imagine for your pair, I imagine your dad must have been beside himself. I, I guess. Oh, it was, it was listen. It was incredible, and I always remember where, where when you used to get tickets from Liverpool through the academy. You used to sit in like so where the old main stand was. You come out the tunnel, and then your tickets used to be up right in the right hand corner, like next to the cops. You'd have the cop, and you'd have the main stand to the right, and your tickets would be right in the right hand corner. So I remembered where they were. You always know where they were because that was up where all the academy tickets were. So as soon as you come out, you're straight up looking at them, and you you, you just know for a parent. I'm the same. Now I've got three boys and the feeling I'd get for, for something like that would be absolutely incredible so yeah for me dad it was absolutely amazing but even now me, me, me parents my wife and everybody come to every game it's it's fantastic it's a brilliant feeling what did they if you can bottle it up what did that era when I think Steve Ivey would have still been in charge for several of the years that you were in the youth system and yeah. eventually you, you play for Steve Cooper Rodolfo Borrell um, who was at Barcelona mm-hmm. who when I first arrived here phoned me up and said listen and I'm sorry to quote him but he said listen I've won everything at youth level. I'm a top coach, but yeah. look at me. He said, look at my size, look at my weight. They only want golden boys here. They won't give me a job. <laughs> Literally. And he said, right. can you help me get to, to England? And now he's at Manchester City, having been at Liverpool. What a man. What, what a man he is, mate. Brilliant Let's person. talk about them. Um, what did these men teach you when you were a youngster, when you're at your most easily formed that you, that you value now looking back at them? Do you know what? And I'll be, I'll be totally honest here, they, they always made me better players. Every single one of them people you just mentioned there, Steve Iway, Steve Cooper, Rodolfo Brell, Frank McPartland we can go to as well, who, who, who was fantastic. They all made me better players. They, they all made me a better player, sorry. And I think that's evident with how I've grown. But you know, more importantly, I look back on it now as a little bit of a more of an experienced head, an experienced player. They made me a better person. Honestly, I, I was always a person who was willing to learn. I was always a person who was willing to adapt to different things. Because... 
I think what people don't understand with footballers these days and, and, and young kids growing up now, it's a massive willingness to adapt because you've got that many different people who take over you every year. Different managers come in, different directors at youth level, different under-23s managers. Then you go to the first team, you have a different manager. And then obviously managers change quite a bit these days as well. So I think it's massive that you're adapting. That's the biggest thing I can say about coming up through that youth system at Liverpool that take away the football situation. I always wanted to be a footballer and they made me a better player. But I think more importantly, they made me a better person in terms of how to cope with life how to cope with being a footballer, how to improve and know that you keep that willingness to learn. Even now at the age of 27, 28, there's still that willingness to get better. And that all comes from being a six, seven-year-old kid at the academy where these people are, are moulding me into into a certain person. And that's the biggest thing I can say about the people who looked after me when I was at Liverpool. I, I did go on about this so much that the listeners will be throwing pineapples at the computer screen, but... 2015, I went to, to interview my all-time idol, Johan Cruyff, who I'd met before, but it was his last ever interview uh, before he died. It was an hour long in Berlin. And at that forum, brilliant, brilliant forum, the, there was Thomas Tuchel, who was then the Dortmund coach. Mm. And he stood up and said that he'd made his reputation at Mainz, and at Mainz, he'd been in charge of the youth, and he said, I demanded everything, I had to be the best, and, you know... I wanted Rolls Royce treatment for the kids to make them feel... But, and he said, now if I went back, I'd make it tougher for them. I'd turn off the air con, mm. I'd make sure they had to wash their own kit, I'd tell the driver to pretend the bus was broken down and ask them how we were going to get to the game. Problems. You've yeah. touched on two things I want to... Before we move on to the European theme again, two things you said there that reminded me of that. One, Connor, I say this in inverted commas, to make you a better person, the, the outside perception, one of the reasons we founded this podcast is that people in football don't care about being a better person. So one, why have you focused on that? And I love it because I believe it and it matters because better people will make better footballers. Point full stop. They'll work harder. They'll have open minds. They'll, they'll eventually be leaders and a good representative for themselves, the team and the club. But I want you to talk about that. And secondly, I've heard people, I don't know if it was Rodolfo, talking about you as, as having a natural ability as a youngster to think about how to overcome hurdles, to solve problems. Talk about those two things, the value of being a better person, how they did it, if there are examples, and your problem-solving nature. Yeah, I, I obviously now I look back on me uh, on myself as a kid. I look at myself now, and it's a massive part of life. I think that's a huge part of life. And I think the earlier you can learn that, the better it is. I think problem-solving, you have problems every single day. Look at the world now. We have problems every single day. The world now is it's upside down. Do you know what I mean? And listen, we all want to get back to to where we were sooner rather than later, but there's problems every single day. And I, uh, do you know what was a big part for me? I had a spell when I was at Liverpool, I must have been about 13, 14, and me mum and dad got pulled in, and they said to me mum and dad, listen, I was going through a, a big growth spurt, do you know what I mean? At the time, I, I was slow, I was, my legs were all over the place, my arms were all over the place, this sort of thing, honestly, it was one of them. And I weren't playing that well. Do you know what I mean? I look back on it and I weren't playing that well. I, was, I wasn't really improving the way I probably wanted to improve and people wanted me to improve, but there was bigger factors going on with my body developing I was still a kid I remember they took my mum and dad in and, and said listen he's got a few months here otherwise because we were getting to the point where it was getting to a scholarship at 15, 16 and it got to a point where they pulled my mum and dad in and said listen he's got a few months because we don't think he's developing now we want him to develop and if he doesn't get to the point in a few months where we want him to be we're going to have to let him go so my dad come home and told me that my dad's massive do you know what I mean my dad's always been very hands on with football and he come home and he was gutting my dad and he pulled me to one side and I burst out crying Based out, it was the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? The end of the world for a young kid who wanted to play football at his 
at his boyhood club who he'd supported since he was a baby. It was me, it was the end of the world for me. And I remember my dad sitting me down, my dad was fantastic. He said, Listen, son, he said, Your body will go out, it wants to go. He said, You will improve how you improve because of the type of person you are. He said, Don't overthink it, don't worry about it, just go and enjoy the football. He said, If it's two months of playing with Liverpool, fantastic, we take two months. If it's further than that, we go further than that. But listen, enjoy what you've got now. So, and you know what? That calmed me down. It was fantastic because I had my dad saying that, that sort of thing to me. Even though I knew deep down he'd have been absolutely gutted with the conversation he'd just had. Do you know what I mean? I look at it now and that's how it would have been. And I think that experience that I had in my life was massive for me moving forward now not every kid has that experience but I look back on my own experience and I think that experience was huge for me problem solving taking things on myself by making sure I could try and make things happen as much as possible and as well trying to help people as much as possible because it's not just me who goes through them sorts of things do you know what I mean people every day every day go through them sorts of things so I think that was a massive experience on my life if I'm being honest with you because I came through that period and then I got my scholarship a few months later and then all of a sudden you look back and you go God, a few months ago, I got told I was getting released in a couple of months. It was a mad situation, do you know what I mean? And I think looking at that experience made me a better person, but also in terms of problem solving, that was a huge factor in how I then went about growing up and getting better. I'm here to tell you about another podcast. Yes, we believe in biodiversity. It's from the makers of The Big Interview, and it's called Between the Lines, the stories behind great sports writing. Every episode takes a classic sports book or outstanding piece of sports writing and examines how the writer crafted their story. This is a weekly show and the series so far has featured documentaries on the miracle of Castel di Sangro and Andrea Perlo's autobiography, I Think, Therefore I Play. There's also interviews with writers like Henry Winter, Simon Cooper, Andy Mitten and David Goldblatt. Now, a friend of mine, Lawrence Donegan, on his classic golf book, Four iron in the soul. You know, you just write a book, and it's just some sort of alchemy that you you don't understand what's happening. That's a good word. And lo and behold, at the end of it, it's like something it comes together, and something's happened that you're not even aware it was happening at the time. I think Nick Hornby talked about this about fever pitch. You just wrote a book, not that fever uh, got, that's anywhere near as good as fever pitch, but you know there's just some sort of alchemy, mysterious thing that happens in the process of writing a book, and the book is greater then for some reason it's actually better and bigger and more appealing than you actually intended. And lo and behold, as you say, 20 years later we're still talking about it and people will still talk about it. People absolutely love it in a way. And those kind of books that hit, just hit some kind of chord that you, you know, some kind of bullseye that you weren't aiming for, but somehow it hit that bullseye and, and, and that's, why, that's why they'll ask. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com I think one of the reasons that both um, Next Generation and, and the UEFA Youth League were formed were to try and, and show young footballers thematically the same as you're talking about. You're talking about growth spark, personality, support from your dad, 
and, and coming through it. But both Next Gen and the Youth League were supposed to say, all right, you haven't had a lot of experience about where's my passport, what's this food that I'm eating in Slovakia, why is this temperature different? Uh, all these little things that now, as, as grown-ups, we laugh at, but as, as, mm. as kids, you're not equipped to deal with. Now, we have people called socios, uh, Connor, who, who've been our, yeah. our longest supporters. They're like season ticket holders. And, and one of them is Chris Hennigan. And Chris, is, Chris has written this very well, and it, it's thematically linked to what you've just said. Hi, Connor. As a scouser and fellow Red, I'm intrigued to find out it, whether playing in the next-gen series during your younger years for the Mighty Reds, in any, I think he means Aberdeen, in any way prepared you for playing <laughs> in such a dynamic, yet still largely continental style at Wolves. And that's Chris from Litherland, brackets, home of the greats. And, you know, it, it, it was with Rodolfo and Steve that you played next-gen. I mean, I don't want to be cheeky, but what happened to the Gerd Muller you used to be because you scored about every 10 minutes in the next gen series, <laughs> didn't yeah. you just? Yeah. And you played Inter yeah. and you played Spurs and you played Malden, you played Borussia Dortmund, you played, and you played a couple of Portuguese clubs as well. You played massive clubs at, at youth level. I want to know your best memory from that, your worst memory from that, and, and what did that do for you? I'll tell you what, I've got, I've got all them, all them for you. The time, it was incredible. Honestly, I look back at that time and it was a fantastic part of my life, that. That was brilliant. I remember when they brought it in and we got told about it and the excitement that came as a kid to know that we were going to Dortmund, we played Spears at White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane. We went to Molde and played in Norway. We, Like you said, you played Inter Milan at St. Helens, the, the rugby ground. Honestly, it was the feeling of going to play these teams, but also knowing you're playing them in stadiums. We weren't used to playing in stadiums. It was like the Youth Cup all over again, because when you played Youth Cup, it was exactly the same, going playing these big grounds as a kid. And it was the same as that, but also knowing that you were walking out in Europe with Liverpool, it was it was amazing, it was incredible. The best memory I can say I had, we went to Borussia Dortmund, and I'll always remember the trip, because they took us on a tour around the ground. Do you know what I mean? You know, the big wall. It, the, it's nuts, isn't it? You know, the, the, the yellow black wall and signal the Duna Park. Honestly. It's, it's nuts. Honestly, I can't even I can't even tell you. It was incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. We went for a walk around there. I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, can you imagine being a, a proper player here? Playing Champions League or whatever you're playing in and listening to the noise and all that. It was, it was incredible. And they had a little ground next to the... Uh, Next to the main, next to the main stadium, we played there, scored in the game, scored at Edda, flicked it on, and it, it, it was a great. We ended up winning. I can't remember what score it was. Ended up scoring, we won, and it was brilliant. Then we played them at St. Helens as well, and I scored in the game. There, I think it was a penalty, and that feeling of knowing you're playing Borussia Dortmund, walking out on in Germany, playing against a team like this, scoring in the game, winning. The actual, the, the whole emotion was fantastic, and like I said, I can only go back to the start of it when we got told we were going to play in this competition, and, and I was el- eligible to play in it. Going, wow, this will be amazing! What a competition this will be! And I know they've got the the youth Champions League or whatever it is now, but that for me was a massive part of my life. Honestly, I think the worst memory I had from it. We play. I don't know if you've you, you've probably seen it with all the Ajax. stats and everything you've got, got there. I'll be honest, with you, Ajax. It's got to be Ajax. Ajax was, and I'll go back to it. Right, I've got a little story about it. We we had a great team. Honestly, we had a great team. Rodo took it, Rodolfo, and it was nil nil, and we'd won a penalty, and I was the penalty taker. Right, even though you might not think it now because I don't go anywhere near penalties now. When I talk about penalty, I've been saying whatever, but I was the penalty taker, and we had Suso playing with us. Who plays now for Sevilla? We played him last year in Europa yeah. in the Europa League in the in the quarters. Fantastic footballer, mate. Honestly, I can't yes. explain. Lopetegui loves him. Lopetegui loves him. What? What a fantastic football player he is, by the way. He was playing the game, and if I look back, he probably should have been a penalty taker. But I was the penalty taker. <laughs> 
he takes the ball, and I was one of them people, I would never go and start scrapping for the ball or whatever, just, if you want the ball, take the ball, do you know what I mean? But, and he missed the pen, and I always look back on that game, and loads of people even say it to me now, if, you, if, if you'd have took that pen, it might have been different, because we got Wall up 6-0 in the game, yeah. They were, oh, by the way, what a team they were, honest to God, so some of the players, they had, it's still playing now, Klassen, who's at Ajax, do you know what I mean? A few players, did, did they, it, they had go on and do special things. Did it feel like a different brand of football at that stage? Movement and space yeah. and position? Because that must have been something that you hadn't encountered, I guess. Massively, massively. And, and that was the big game that I thought, it, I'll be honest with you, the movements, the way they played, everything was one and two touch. It was so fast. Honestly, we'd gone from being kids where you take two and three and you can set yourself a little bit, you can look, you can slow the game down they were just 100 mile an hour with and without the ball and it was like it was different level honestly but like I said I look back to that moment now and I think that's a little story I wonder if it have scored that penalty it might have been a little bit different because then from then they just took control and they just wiped the floor to us and the, wiped the floor with us and the biggest thing about it I think there was about ten or 12,000 there at the ground watching it and we'd just been walloped 6 nil. I was embarrassed you know when you come in and you're just embarrassed and you don't want to go out and it was like being walloped there but then when you look back you go a massive learning curve, but what a team we come up against. You, Honestly, what a team. You, it, it were incredible. I want to throw you something about that, um, Goosebumps, because I, I love this. I said to you at the beginning off tape that, you know, I'm a weirdo, but, you know, you, you grow up, I think I think you grow up near St Helens, Haydock, next to yeah. races. Haydock's... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, by the race course, yeah. There's a brilliant hotel there where lots of football teams stay if they're going to play Liverpool, yeah, 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 yeah. United, Blackburn, whatever it is. You walk out for Liverpool against Inter or Borussia Dortmund, not at Anfield, not at the training mm. ground, in your hometown. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge, honestly. And the amount of people I had there that night, and I still have people now who will see in town when I go home or different things, and they'll mention it to me. They'll mention the game to me. I remember watching you at St. Helens. Oh, yeah, who against? Ajax. I'm like, don't leave that away. Don't mention that game to me. Go on, leave that. Do you know, do you know one of them? And, and by, the, by the way, I love growing up there. What, what, fantastic place to grow up. Kept me grounded. Everything about it. I love growing up there. And then playing there was brilliant because all my mates were there. All my family was there. Everybody who was associated with me was there. But like I said, I was a bit embarrassed after, yeah, but after the game, I'll be honest. You know, you, you did for Inter, you did for Bush Dortmund. Ajax was special. I wonder how all this brings us forward to, um, you know, I want to cut to what was a monumental campaign last season. And I I, I don't Mm. want to go through Europe play-by-play with rules. I want to stick to our theme of the experiences because, um, you know, it's, it's a little Himalaya to qualify for that competition. And, you know, yeah. from my way of thinking, you can pick any of the qualifying matches that you want to speak about and remember, but, you know, Torino yeah. have long been bastions of Serie A. Mazzari, who coached them that day, you know, had been a couple of seasons before Serie A coach of the year. You know, his work at San Napoli was, was special. Um, I, I don't know how you found Sasa to deal with. He's a bit of a nutter. But he's a big old beast and, and he'll run you around. Yeah. I think he's completely local. He was at Valencia and and yeah. every single day the whole country was watching the battle between Simone Zaza and, well, <laughs> maybe maybe it was, I can't remember if it was Nuno, but I think it might have been Nuno. So Zaza okay. is, is there and go and win in Italy. You go and win in Turin, one of the great, if you, if you put Torino and Juventus together, one of the great European cities. So... In the qualifying, go to what your mind takes you to, but that, that's the one that stuck with me. 
Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll start off from the beginning, to be fair, because obviously we were waiting on... So when we qualified for it, we were, we were waiting on, obviously, Watford and City in the FA Cup. And we wanted, obviously, City to win because we finished seventh and all this sort of stuff. And then, obviously, when City had won, the manager just put a little... Uh, it's like a gif, you know what I mean, in a group chat. And it was the Europa League, like the gif of the Europa League coming out. And honestly, the feeling you got from it... I think because I've been at the club for so so many years, I think it's something where the pride I got of the fact that this club had got to that certain situation was immense. Honestly, the the feeling I get playing for this football club is incredible. I feel like I'm at home. It's 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 everything that I've ever dreamed of playing for this football club. So to take it to to be involved in the team, sorry, who's got to a Europa League is absolutely incredible. And I look back and you go through the qualifiers, and the biggest thing for me was the travelling. I loved every part of it. And you know what's crazy is when people say. God, the travelling's hard, which I admit it is because you go from a Thursday to a Sunday or a Thursday to a Monday, whatever it is in the games. But the travelling, I loved every part of it. I loved training here in the morning and going to the airport or getting on the plane and travelling out and having your food and trying the different foods. And maybe I look back on the next gen and that maybe gave me some sort of experience of it. But the feeling of doing that, mate, honestly, it was absolutely incredible. And the, the Torino one sticks out massively out the out of the qualifiers just because it was like going into a coliseum. Honestly, you know the ground. It was like one of them big, massive oval grounds. It had like the bit of a track. It had like fences before the stands. Do you know what I mean? And the fences will kind of keep you from the ground. And it's something where the feeling that you get from playing in something like that was absolutely incredible. And like you said, we we, we scored early. I think it was an own goal. I think Saiz went up and we ended up scoring an own goal. Yeah, yeah, it was an own goal. And then obviously Adama works a bit of magic second half. And we should have actually won the game 3-1 or something like that. But you know, you obviously mentioned Zaza. Belossi was a big one, mate. Belossi was a top, top player. Do you know the striker? He scores, oh, he scores a the penalty, player. doesn't he? Yeah, 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 he scores the penalty. And then he scored, I think, at Molyneux as well when we played them in the re- in the in the second leg. But, oh, he, he, was a, he was a top player, mate. Real, real handful. Strong, great in the air. Could finish one and two touch. And he was really something where you look back to last season and you look at how the Europa League went. He gave me some sort of experience on this is going to be tough this year. This 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 competition is going to be really tough because that was so early in the competition and he was such a handful. But the whole feeling of winning out there, the feeling in the change room after the game and then travelling back on the plane, doing your recovery on the plane, doing what we'd done was absolutely incredible. And the other one was, obviously, we went to Armenia, yeah. didn't we? So we went to Armenia, played in Punic, Punic. won 4-0. Yeah. And, yeah. But we played there on the Thursday, so the flight was about five hours. I remember getting back five, four or five o'clock in the morning and then we played Leicester on the Sunday. I remember thinking before we went to Armenia, God, this is going to be a real test of how our start of the season is going to be. And we went into the Leicester game and we done all right. We played well. And that feeling I got from doing that gave me so much confidence going forward because I had so many people telling me, it's going to be so hard for you boys this year. It's going to be so hard for you boys this year. It's so hard the Europa League. And honestly, I can't speak more highly of that competition because it was absolutely incredible. I loved every part of it. What do you think is the bit inside you that likes the travelling? Because I recognise it. Now, the boys and I, we, we, we're only doing Zoom because of the pandemic. 95% of our 106 interviews I've done by flying to England, Denmark, Ireland. I, I don't know where. And as much as you might be pissed off about getting up at five in the morning, as much as you might be tired, something about airports, flights, uh, in my case, fooling around a little bit, I muck around, a little, a little bit yeah. of mischief. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't mind putting a spoke in people's wheels or just a little bit chit-chat with a stewardess or whatever it might be. Apart from representing your club, you're well-paid, you're a great professional. You said something that got a... What is it about setting off, travelling? It's an excitement. It's an excitement. Honestly, we used to train here, so 
So on on like the the far fly, the the ones where you fly, uh, fly far away. So the the army when we went to Besiktas, which was incredible, and we'll probably get onto that in a bit, which was absolutely amazing. We trained in the morning, but what I used to love was flying. So getting to training, you'd have something to eat. Uh, getting to the training ground, you'd have something to eat. Straight to the airport on the plane, and then you'd train in the ground the night before. And I thought it was incredible getting this experience of actually training in the stadium. We used to do it at Molyneux before the home games. Training in the stadium, putting your boots on and actually going out and feeling the ground before you actually played in it the, the night after. And honestly, it was an excitement. It was just, I might have been like a bit of a young boy, to be honest. And I, 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 that, that, that was how it felt for me, just loving playing football and loving this new experience of going into European games with this football club. It was absolutely immense. And, and like I said, I think it was just a feeling of excitement because the lads had worked so hard to get there over the previous season where we got to an FA Cup semi, we'd, we'd finished seventh, which was amazing for this this football club. And it was an excitement to see how far we could actually go because the manager said to us right at the start that we were never going to go in just to make up the numbers. It was to go in and, and, and try and do the best to best we can to, to try and take this club as far as possible. How, he's a proud man and, and maybe you want to not answer this because I'm going to ask you straight how pissed off was he at losing to Sporting Braga in the opening game because he's Portuguese Sporting Braga yeah. are not to be underestimated either in their history they're not a famous oh. team but they were decent they managed to take a point well, not, yeah take a point it was a group stage in, in, in the return yeah. so they weren't pushovers but aside from wanting to win aside from being very intense about performance just going to Portugal on, on Wolves first group game in the Europa League and losing to Sporting Braga yeah. he, he must have been pissed off yeah, and do you know what he's like? He's like it after every game. To be fair, it's something where you know about it when he knows we've had a bad result or you've not played well, or even if you've won but you've not had a good performance. A black thunder cloud above the head before a word is yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you know about it, mate. Believe me, and it's something where we know him as a manager. He knows us as players. And he, we we know how he reacts to different things, and we know when we have to improve. We've got to improve every single day, but we know when we've had a bad performance, and we know when these things are happening. So. Yeah, he, he went up. But don't you know, go back to that game. I think it was a bit of an eye opener for us. I do. I think it was a bit of an eye opener for us as a team in terms of we had Braga coming, and I would never say we underestimated them because we never done that against any team in Europe. But I think it was a little bit of a different way of playing. I think it was something where we were into the group stages of the Europa League, and we was obviously playing against a better team than probably the qualifiers. And it was something where they started to move the ball. The, the game management was fantastic. They, they, uh, they slowed the game down. They threw themselves on the floor, won fouls, you know, all little things like this. And to, and to us, that was new. That, that was new to us. And I think that gave us a little bit of an eye-opener in terms of showing us how these European teams do things because we need to match it. We need to be better at them and doing their, doing their sorts of things. And, and we learned from that game. We really did. Trincao came on. He's at Barcelona at the moment. Mm. He, he, the level yeah. the level was good I know you didn't underestimate them but I think when you get to the Europa League teams that have got that far tend to be smart they're either very good 100% or if, yeah. if the resources aren't playing resources aren't fantastic the brains are good and, and you, yeah. you mentioned Bajiktas and I think that I don't know what will stand out for you apart from the brilliance of winning late, which is very, very special. Um, a group stage, mm-hmm. to equalise the home defeat, to immediately bounce back is very special. But Istanbul itself is a bewildering city. And I know pro footballers, unless you're lucky, it's airport, hotel, training, hotel. Yeah. But as you fly in, you see the, the massively wide river. You know it's Asia meets Europe, literally divided. Yeah. The sounds, the smells, yeah. the sights... Are, are, are different and maybe you'd had a holiday there but what is it about winning at Bajiktas total picture that sticks out for you 
So first and foremost, it was amazing. This this is the one that I remember from. I remember it all. I remember it all. But one that sticks out in my head was this. I loved every part of it, honestly. And we never took. So this was one where we trained at uh, the training ground before we went. So we trained first, and then we flew. We got there late, and I was doing the press conference, and everyone was going a bit mad. They couldn't believe that we got there late. We ended up doing the press conference about half nine, ten o'clock at night, and they're all a bit like. This is a bit mad, but towards it was just honest to God, it was just excitement. We had our food late, food was amazing, and, and our hotel, what I remember was our hotel looked over the Vodafone Park. So it looked over, so you could see inside the ground from our hotel. So so you had our hotel, you had the ground, and then you had the river. So you could see right over the river to the other side. Oh, the, it was, And then what we tend to do on game days, when it's a long day and we play on a night, we tend to have a bit of a coffee, you know what I mean, in, in the day. So me, John, a few of the boys, uh, tend to go down a bit of coffee, just to break the day up really, so you're not sat yeah. in the room all day. And we sat down in reception, reception has lovely dead marble floors and all this sort of things, you know what I mean? And, and honestly, it was it was incredible. And I remember the game, the game weren't the best, but we'd done what, what Wolves have tended to do. We stay in it, we stick in it, do you know what I mean? We, we defend well, we, we we stay together, we're close, we're compact, we work hard, and we stuck in the game to the last minute. And that feeling when the goal goes in, and we go back to the manager again after the game, and everyone was, was ecstatic, everyone was elated. It was, it, it was a sense of relief, to be honest, because like you said, we'd, we'd bounced straight back from the first game, which was massive for us to do it in that situation, and we were all still learning. So we were learning as well as winning at the time. I remember coming into the chain room after, and we were all, like I said, we were all on top of the world, and the gaffer kind of came in and said, we need to play better. And he was right. Mm. But the feeling you actually got, it kind of just was just like, right, okay, let's just take a minute. Mm. It's a fantastic game, and the gaffer was spot on. We need to do better. If we're going to do well, and we're going to get out of this group stage, we need to play better. And these first two games were, were massive for us moving forward. Absolutely massive, but the feeling of actually going there, and, and like I said, we trained there in the morning, we flew. It was a four-hour flight or something like that, but no one cared. Honestly, no one cared a, a dicky bird about it because we were just going playing in Europe for Wolves. It was absolutely incredible, and, and honestly, I can't speak more highly of going out there and, and obviously doing what we've done. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.